Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us for our first episode of the Saber Talk podcast for the 2017-2018 season. This is Mark Geis. And this is Josh Eppinger. How's everything going on your end, Josh? Oh, pretty good. Uh, it's feeling like uh, summer weather, but us real uh, western New Yorkers know what time of the year it is. It's hockey season, and it's fastly approaching us, Mark. Yeah, we had a... We had a tease here with some colder weather earlier this week, but it's in the 70s probably right now, super muggy. So, yeah, it doesn't feel like I'm about to watch a Sabres-Leafs game tonight, but very excited for it nonetheless. I know the fall is right around the corner for both of us. Yeah, yeah. I already started uh, one hockey season this year for my uh, men's league hockey in Fredonia, and I start my Jamestown league uh, this Sunday as well, so... Everyone here is talking about how they love the 85, 86 degree weather, and I'm just, I'm just ready to get on the rink. So, and watch the Sabres, obviously. Yeah, definitely in this household, because uh, my wife Natty is a big hockey fan as well. We, we like the fall a lot. It might be our favorite season because you've got, you got all the sports going on at once. Hockey's our number one, but you know you've got the the football season going, and you got basketball starting up soon baseball still going on so this is a great time of year for any sports fan oh yeah especially if the Yankees are in the in the playoffs this year that'd make my October even better oh yeah yeah and it looks like they'll be playing in that wild card game that the twins now have a pretty decent lead for the for the second wild card spot so the the team out here uh, for those of you tuning in for the first time, I live out in Fargo, North Dakota, so I'm in Twins territory. But it'd be kind of cool to see the Yankees play the Twins in that in that wild card game. And it's been a pretty I just fun wish ride. It was three games. Yeah, it's it, it's tough now when you play that well all year, and it comes down to one game, and really anything can happen in one game. Yeah, that's why you see so much variation well, anyways, in the NFL playoffs. It's so difficult to to predict who's going to actually win a Super Bowl because anything can happen in one game. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, it's a good thing that we're uh, getting we're on the hockey season now, and uh, it's been some pretty exciting stuff. I think the last time we talked, Mark, I uh, I just got back from the Sabres developmental camp. Now we're in Sabres training camp. Uh, a lot of I haven't been able to get out to Buffalo to see any uh, the camp, but I've been reading, doing a lot of reading and uh, listening to games on the radio since they have not been televised yet. But uh, it's been exciting to see, hear about this new team with a new coach, you know, a whole new direction and a whole new game style. Uh, what's your uh, what's your thoughts on Housley, uh, Housley's impact on this team so far? Well, I think you touched on it. I'm I'm very excited too to see how this team reacts to a new coach. I was very outspoken about not liking Bilesma pretty much from the start of of when he became the coach of the Sabers, and it's been really difficult to sit and not have the games be televised and to have to rely on secondhand opinions. And thankfully, Buffalo does have some some pretty quality journalists and people that you can trust as to what's going on. There also are a lot of clowns maybe you could call them or a lot of uh, a lot of unreliable journalists as well so you got to be able to sift through what's quality information and and what's not but especially with all the struggles this team has had last year you think about Eichel getting hurt right before the season started there's there's more optimism surrounding this team right now than there has been for a long time and I don't think it's misguided optimism I think that uh 
you know, I don't think people are thinking this team is going to contend for a Stanley Cup or anything, but people can see this is a year where they're expected to to take a leap, and they've made some moves where you should be able to expect a leap. And you've got a coach coming in trying to prove himself, Eichel hopefully taking that next step to becoming a, a really premier player at the NHL level. The defense has been revamped. So I'm very excited. I know you are too. We, we talked about it some before the, the show here, but what are you most excited about going into this year? Well, I'm – Number one, I'm really excited for the play style that uh, Housley's going to bring where everyone's pushing out of the zone and we're not going to be playing. To me, I think we're not going to be trying to get out of our zone and playing defense in our own zone all the time like we saw in this last uh, Files Motor regime. Uh, This team, the one thing I I got from going to the – Three on three prospects challenge and watching some of the watching some of the prospect games on uh, Sabres website before uh, training camp started was that this team is going to get out of their zone. There's going to be multiple different ways to get out, and the defense is going to join that rush. and I think it's going to bring out the better of some players. I I think Brendan Gooley looked really good in some of those prospect games. Uh, he had a, a few great shots from the points, a few great goals as well. And uh, these guys aren't afraid to push the puck out of the zone. And some of these, the I think it was Tuesday's game with uh, Ristolainen, uh made that incredible uh, pass down the down the uh, like about a full ice pass as it can go without going off offsides. And uh, it just it looks like there's a a lot more. Uh, to be happy about the tempo of this team is a lot uh, more enjoyable to watch, and I think it's gonna give us better better hockey than we were used to last year. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited about this revamped defense. I think you know we struggled so much on defense last year, and we couldn't get like I said, we couldn't get out of our own zone. And now with a revamped defense with Scandella. And n- number 82, not Marcus Foligno, but Nathan Beaulieu coming in. And uh, Victor Antipin. I, this team is going to be uh, stronger on the defensive side. And we've talked about this before on previous podcasts last year, how the best teams in the league uh, often have the best defenses. For sure, yeah. It, it's going to be weird seeing a number 82 and a number 93 on defense for the Sabres this year. Uh, mm-hmm. those are those are interesting number choices, but hey, it's a different league, and hey, maybe that means we're gonna have we're gonna really have defensemen jumping up into the play this year, and that was one of the the worst things about last year. You touched on it, but just getting no offense from the back end, and it, m- much of that was the personnel. They didn't have personnel. They they didn't have a, a a ton of offensive talent on the blue line, but a bigger part of it was the system. And when you're making long passes, when you're not having the defensemen skate up into the play and becoming part of the play, of course they're not going to create very much offense. They're not going to score many goals. But from what we've seen, what we've heard, the plan is going to be that that five-man attack, getting the, def- the defenseman involved, having a lot of um, transitioning with, with forwards, replacing defensemen when the defensemen jump up into the play, and being able to play more like a, like a five-man unit. And I think that's probably what's most exciting about Housley coming in. We've just seen so much bad hockey over the past if you go back five years probably this team has I think been poorly coached for a long time Uh, 
and it's it's been downhill since Ruff left. I think Ruff leaving was the right move when it happened. Um, but think about all the guys that have that have been here since. You look at Ron Rolston and and Ted Nolan, and you look at Dan Bylsma, and I haven't felt as as confident going into a season as I have this season going in under Housley. And of course, he's an unknown quantity, so we don't know exactly what to expect. But I think all the indications so far are positive. And the players seem to be responding to him better. I think uh, there have been a lot of indirect comments. They don't point out Bilesman directly, but that, that point to players not liking playing under him or playing within his system. And you haven't heard any of that yet. Now, of course, maybe that could come out eventually under Housley, but everything looks good so far. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're going to we're gonna have a different look. We're, you know... No Brian Gianta this year. No team has offered him a contract. I'm a little surprised about that. Um, I wouldn't sleep on him not getting an offer somewhere from somewhere somewhere else, but I don't see it being in Buffalo, possibly. But uh, we, it, it, we'll have a different look this year for sure. Um, on the forward side of things, Mark, uh, where where do you uh, where do you see your top two lines possibly? I I got personally me I got. Uh, Vander Kane playing on the left side with Jack Eichel centering and uh, Jason Pomville on the right wing for my top line. And I mean those top those O'Reilly Eichel lines they can really just switch themselves to you know they're they're both top one number one or number two lines. And then on the O'Reilly line I have Gergesons with O'Reilly and Oposo. I don't know if you have something similar to that, but uh, that's where I'm looking right now. Yep, that's what I've got written down in my little mock lineup sheet in front of me. I've I've talked a lot in the past. I don't love Kane and Eichel together. I'm more predicting what's going to happen. I don't know if you're – I think you're doing the same thing. I don't know if these are your ideal lines or um, what mm-hmm. you think is going to happen. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is ultimately what's going to happen. I, I would really like to see if they're going to keep Reinhardt at center. I would like to see Reinhardt get a shot between those two. I think – Reinhardt and Kane, I, I've always liked that that combination together, and I think those two are an even better complement together. But this team, I guess, doesn't have the the forward depth. If you want to have Kane or have Eichel play with with more established wingers, this may be the route to go. But I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt there being a lot of line shuffling going forward. But yep, yeah, that's what I've got right now. I think uh, the Kane Eichel Pominville line with the offense they created. In uh, was that the, the the second game, uh, and Eichel really game, Eichel yes. really put on a show in that game. It was against a pretty depleted yeah. Pittsburgh roster, but uh, I would but, expect them to at least get a shot together uh, to start the season. Yeah, and I just I I in more more so um, I really liked Eichel with Pominville, and yes, Pominville was the bad part of that trade that we had to pick up. To make to get Marco Scandella in Buffalo uniform, but the thing is, I think Pominville might have some game left it with him, especially if he's playing on a line with a guy as dynamic as Jack Eichel. Eichel's the, the highlights from that game against Pittsburgh. Uh, Eichel is really moving that puck around and making some good passes to Pominville. And if Pominville can just be a finisher. He could have a he could have a twenty twenty goal plus year if uh, these guys can be together and uh, produce well. I I I know it's only preseason, but 
I really liked what I saw between 15 and 29. Yeah, and I, I like that pairing together a lot. I, I And I know I had said Kane, Reinhardt, Pominville, but I wouldn't mind seeing the Eichel-Pominville group together. And if Kane is moved to play with Reinhardt, keep Eichel and Pominville together. Maybe Gergensen's could be their left wing. Yeah. And I think Kane and Reinhardt together would be would be really nice. I wouldn't be surprised if those are eventually the pairings that kind of emerge there. But yeah, I agree. I, and I had had Pominville penciled in on Eichel's line from the time that we acquired him. And I, know I did some conversations with people that were concerned, well, can Pominville play the even strength minutes that Eichel is inevitably going to get? Maybe that becomes a concern at some point during the season because Pominville's been playing in a uh, – has been playing – far less even strength time than Eichel has been over the past couple years. But um, I I like those two together a lot. I think Pominville knows where to go. I think Eichel's vision and his passing is very underrated. And we, we, we've definitely mentioned this a bunch of times on the podcast, but you see his speed and his shot and you start to think, well, that's what he does. That's his ultimate skill. But he has fantastic vision, um, has, has just a great view of the ice, knows where his teammates are, and is able to find him. And I think Pominville is very good at finding those soft spots in defensive zone coverage. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with your assessment there. And I think I would like to see those two together definitely for an extended stretch to start the season. Yeah, and the other, the other, the other thing with it too, Mark, is that I really, I really want to see Reinhardt, and you've hit on this more than I have, and I've been more of a keep Eichel and Sam together in a line. But I want to see this year, I want to see Sam Reinhardt center that third line and make it the third line a good a good chance, a good line for them to have scoring chances and uh, get a good goal-scoring line on the third line. If you, if you could bring in a guy maybe like Justin Bailey to come play on that right wing on that, on that third line, or who knows what Benoit Pouliot has left in him and he's on that one year deal this year but those those bottom two lines are you know there there's some spots to be won out of this training camp on this team I think I mean granted these guys can come up and go down at any at a uh, a moment's notice with especially being Rochester so close to Buffalo but um what what do you think for that those bottom those bottom two lines especially right now if we said that Sam Reinhart was in the center of that third one yeah, right now I've got Pouliot on his wing, on his left wing, as you talked about. Mm-hmm. I think that that right wing spot is still wide open. It looks like they're giving Seth Griffith every chance to win a spot in this lineup. I think Baptiste, Bailey, I don't, I don't think either of those guys have really stood out. I think Hudson Fashing is another candidate for that spot. Uh, but yeah. there hasn't been a clear-cut winner. I, I have that in my little mock lineup here as just a line. So I don't have anybody written in there yet. And it, I think that's one of those spots where it's it's still out there to be won. And Griffith being in the lineup yet again tonight leads me to believe that he's still right there in competition for those spots. You've you've had Bailey play a lot, Baptiste play a lot too, Fashing play a lot, all because I, I still think this coaching staff doesn't know. And you have Matt Molson still out there as well, where maybe if they want to go to just a – proven more reliable option he's he's certainly there too and he's going to be on this team I don't think they're going to send him to Rochester but whether he's in the top 12 or whether he's sitting in the press box uh, so 
I don't really have an opinion at this point. Uh, what do you think? Well, I I I would uh, Griffith has really shown to be a guy that I think Housley likes, and uh, he's like you said, he's getting play time. He's had a good camp of what I've read. Uh, Bailey Bailey, the one thing about Bailey, he has put on a lot. He's put on weight this year. He's been working on his strength. He's always been a bigger guy, but he hasn't lost a step in his speed. And uh, I know that from going to the prospect camp and watching some of the prospect games too. Bailey's still, you know, the dude has jets. He's, uh, and I think he really wants to crank uh, to make this team this year. Uh, I know all these guys really do, but I think Bailey's really put in the prep. Hudson Fashing is a guy that I have making this roster. You no. Know, I think he will make the roster if it's on the fourth or third line. Uh, I don't want to really necessarily see him on the fourth line, but I think Fashing is a is a you know with him making the team last year and then getting hurt and being out for the majority of the year and battling a groin injury. I know it's a new coaching system, but what I've seen is Fashing is his his play overall has been very good and uh, very well polished. I, I think that he's going to earn himself a spot on this team. The the one person in our Reinhardt scenario playing third center that's going to get the crap out of the stick, if we call it that, is um, Johan Larson, a player that I praised all year last year until he got hurt with that broken collarbone uh, or shoulder. I can't remember. But uh, he... He Johan Larson was very good last year on that third line with Matt um with Brian Gianta and Marcus Foligno. Zygmunt Gergesen took that role over last year once he left, and we have a lot in uh, Larson that could be shown. I don't think he's ever going to be better than he has been now. I don't think his ceiling's that high, but I I like that player, and I just think he's going to see less ice this year because of moves and regime yeah yeah and I think he is best suited in a fourth line role you know ideally you don't have him as your as your third line center just because he's not going to create a lot of offense for you but I I I do think he's going to end up seeing a lot of top nine time this year because injuries are going to happen and he may be the top guy I think you are going to see probably Reinhardt get time on the wing again unless he comes out and is just really able to anchor his own line. But I think it's going to be too tempting if if one of those wingers go down to want to move Reinhardt up the lineup. And you've got a capable center in Larson that's played a third-line role before that can step up. I think that will happen at at times this year. But uh, it's, it's a nice luxury yeah. to have him on the fourth line. Um, you also have – we didn't talk about Evan Rodriguez, but he, he's yeah, had well, a strong but- camp as well. And he Very. looks like he's he's going to earn a spot, probably more likely on the fourth line. But I, another I versatile no guy problem. who can play center. Yeah, he, he and we see we've seen him uh, play some play uh, play different spots last year. Rodriguez is one of how I listened to Phil Housley talk about him a couple days ago in an interview. Uh, that's a player that I think that Phil Housley really appreciates, and it's. He, he works hard. He's pretty quick. He's not the biggest guy, but I could definitely see Rodriguez making this team. I just 
you know, with 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 the center depth that this team has, especially if you plan on playing Sam Reinhart on that third line, you uh, you wonder if he's going to come up and play wing or what what's going to go on. He might be a guy that if Reinhardt excels at center, sees less time. Yeah, I think he will almost assuredly start the year at, at, at wing and play a majority of the year at wing. And uh, it, it, it's tough to remember this, but last year was really was, it was his first time as a professional playing center, and that's why it was so incredible. I remember we discussed it when he came up, that he was able to look passable in the NHL as a center when he hadn't even played in the AHL as a center before that year. Um, but it's just great to have versatility like that in your bottom six, and that's why I think it is – it is a, not a lock, but I, I'd be willing to bet on him making the roster because you've got a guy that, if injuries do happen, Larson moves up the lineup. You've got a guy that has has been passable at center before. Josephson, similar, has versatility, can play center and wing. Uh, so it, it's nice to have a few of those guys, and we know as well as the fans of any team how important center depth is. And having a few guys on the roster even playing wing that are capable of playing center is just so important when injuries inevitably hit. You think do do you think Nick Delore Delore is going to be around? I don't think so. I think uh, everything's shaping up for him to be down in Rochester, and I'm very happy to say that. <laughs> I know he's one of your favorite players on this roster, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't I don't dislike the guy, but if you have him as one of your top fourteen forwards. When, when there are all these guys out there on the street, too, guys that you can sign to PTOs, guys that are out there as free agents, and you have Nick Delorier taking a spot on your NHL roster and stepping in to the lineup when, when injuries happen, it just blows my mind. And that was one thing that was kind of a microcosm of, of what was so frustrating about the depth of this roster last year was him actually being with the NHL club when we knew that this guy is not an effective NHL player and is one of the worst players in the league. So I, had, um, I think it's, I had, it's uh, best him being gone. <laughs> I had a moment yesterday. I, uh, As I told you before we started this podcast, I bought the new NHL uh, game, and I went out and uh, did a franchise mode and chose the Sabres, of, as, of course, as I would. And I go to check out my lines, and there's Nick Delore, left wing, fourth line. And I'm like, oh man, this is not it's not the current. You yes, you want a guy who can give your team a little energy by throwing the body around on that fourth line like Delore's role is, but he didn't even play that role effectively for the most part. So, and with the way that this this modern NHL is, you want four lines that can score goals. You don't need that bruiser line anymore you you want guys that can protect themselves and uh get the energy going but this is not that kind of league anymore this isn't that was 10 years ago at least definitely yeah and i think i think Bottrell and housley understand that um their moves at least them giving yeah guys like griffith a bunch of chances giving a guy like stevie moses chances as well I would much rather have a guy like Griffith be my 13th forward than somebody like Delorier, somebody that I think can step into a scoring line and be effective, that's had some some positive possession stats in the past. You know that with Delorier he's going to be a drag 
on whatever line mates he's playing with. We know that that's not going to change. So to, to waste one of your NHL roster spots on him just is pretty inexcusable for me. So yeah, I'm agree. glad it looks like he's not going to be up, up with the Sabres this year. Okay, so um, moving on to the back end of the team. We met- I mentioned it earlier with uh, Scandella, Bullyu, and Antipin uh, coming in to Buffalo this year. You th- with those three guys, and then you got the returners, Risto, Bogosian, and McCabe. Is that your top six defensemen locked, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think that's almost a lock at this point. Definitely th- those top five. Antipin maybe could be Georges. the seventh. I really hope it's not Georges. And based on who he's been playing with, I don't think that it looks like they view Georges as a, a number seven or worse. Um, they also mm-hmm. brought in uh, Cody Golubov to to be some camp competition, and he's he, he he was very disappointing over the last couple years. But Columbus at one point saw him as being a very solid third pairing defenseman, so he could be a number seven guy potentially, maybe somebody that they see as being a, a top six player, but. Uh, I think Antipin ultimately will be in the lineup. I don't think you go out and have that kind of effort to sign a guy and then don't have him be in the lineup, especially a guy that seems to fit what Housley wants to do. Do you do you agree that's going to be the top six? We're, yeah, I, I absolutely. I, I think uh, Georges is not a bad guy to have as your seventh uh, defenseman for emergencies and, you know, if someone has, a, has an off day or whatever. But, uh, you know, this is his last year on the team. I don't believe he'll even – I wonder if he'll even have the A on his sweater this year. I I, I almost doubt it. Um, what did you think about uh, Brennan Gooley? Uh, first uh, preseason game, he got to play on the left side of Risto. Uh, I thought it was cool to see. That was something see. that kind of caught my eye. And, yeah. yeah, I thought so too. Um. And I kind of view it as being. I, I uh, think that. Oh, uh, sorry. Go. Uh, uh, you know, with with Gooley, it was it was nice to see him on, with Risto, and it, hey, this this is something that could be in the future. But I I'm firm. I'm I'm almost 100% positive that he'll be playing in Rochester to start this season. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a situation of. Put the rookie out there, put him in the best situation to succeed. And the best situation to succeed and to, to transition and to, and, and to kind of see what he's made of is to put him with the number one defenseman on the team and see how he does. So I think it was kind of a, a test like that and hopefully making the transition a little easier for him. You know, rather than throwing him out there to play with Tennyson or something, um, you throw him out there with the, with the best defenseman. Like you said, this very well could be a pairing down the line. Um, so I thought it was cool to see. I'm relying on secondhand, a lot of secondhand information about him in camp, but it sounds like he didn't look out of place. I think the system is, is tailor-made for him, uh, but I think it's going to be great for him to go down to Rochester, play a major role down there. Um, maybe doesn't even have to be the number one call-up down there because there actually is pretty decent defensive depth in terms of you, you talk about Taylor Fadoon and Justin Falk being back and and Tennyson, you've, you've got some guys that have played in the NHL that have some NHL experience where 
there doesn't have to be too much pressure placed on him to to contribute to the big club right away this year. So I think it's a really good situation for him all around. Um. So on, I'm pretty sure it's Tuesday. I thought of you too because uh, Cody Franson playing with the Blackhawks had a goal assist and four shots on goal with a plus two on uh, the ice. Uh, so a guy that you stood up for times last year in Cody Franson and uh, hit a good game out in Chicago uh, against the Ducks I do believe yeah put Cody Franson as my give me him as my number six defenseman any day and I'm pretty happy um, I think yeah yeah he I think he's underrated I, I I would not have minded to see him back I think having him as the number seven you know he's on a PTO so I wonder if he would have taken mm-hmm basically a minimum contract to come back could have given him 700 800,000 or something like that and he comes back he's a clear upgrade over Josh Georges now all of a sudden you've got somebody there that can step in if if Antipin maybe isn't as good as expected you've got somebody that's that's been fairly proven at the NHL level and uh, it just frustrates me a lot all the piling on with him cuz Players have their weaknesses. He has his obvious weaknesses. He's not a, a world beater by any means. He's not a great skater, but he does a few things well above average. He's got a, a nice shot. He's a good passer. Maybe wouldn't have been the perfect fit in this system that they're trying to run here because skating is at, is at a premium, but I think he could have at least contributed in this system. So, yeah, I saw that, and I, I thought about it a little bit. I, I still couldn't believe that he – didn't get signed by somebody at least to a, you know, one way, yeah, like eight hundred thousand to a million dollar type of deal. When I, I thought he played pretty decently yeah. last year. Yeah, he was alright. Yeah, but I just I, I know that you all, you were always the, one of the first guys up the bat for him. So I just thought, hey, well, Mark Mark could probably get a kick out of this, but uh, you know it's uh it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting with this new with this new team and this defense is clearly already an upgrade over our depleted defense last year as long as everyone stays healthy uh and there's no season end ending en- injuries we should uh be looking pretty good on the back end uh it's gonna be fun watching like you said earlier this team working as a five man unit instead of a three or four man unit to score goals and to get out the zone. So the system I can't I can't express how excited I am for it because we do not have to sit here and watch someone fiddle the fiddle the puck and just do the same boring breakout where Jack Eichel has to get the puck and just eventually skate it out of the zone for us to get out and try to go play offense. There's gonna be everyone's gonna be pushing that ice and everyone's gonna know where each other are and hold hold everyone responsible on the ice. Yeah, that's definitely the hope, and I think they have the the talent. There's definitely talent on this roster. Uh, they have the talent to pull that off. So I don't want to act like it's it's definitely going to be to be great and definitely going to be perfect. But I also can't really imagine it being any worse. And you talked about just how boring some of those games were to watch last year because. The breakouts were horrible. They'd get stuck in their own zone, gave up a ton of shots, just a horrible possession team overall. And there's no way really for that brand of hockey to be entertaining. Uh, And now you've got something that's almost the polar opposite and something that we were advocating for 
last year that to, to be successful in the modern in the modern NHL, I think you have to do. And that's why I don't know if you're going to see Bilesma ever get another head coaching job. Because they talked a lot about him before he took the last job, about how he hit the year off he took in between his time in Pittsburgh and when he became the Sabres coach, that he'd studied the game a lot and had, you know, changed and had, you know, really just improved and, you know, been willing to been willing to take in new information and all that. And then we saw the same system essentially that he ran in Pittsburgh and all the same criticisms that he got in Pittsburgh we saw here. So I just can't imagine it being yeah. worse. And I know that probably sounds like me being a a pessimist because I'm not expecting it to be great, but I'm I'm happy with that. I'm happy with it's at least going to be better. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we we – we think about who's going to benefit from th- th- this uh, coaching change the most, and you know the the big answers are uh, Zach Bogosian, the defensive guys with Nathan Beaulieu and Marco Scandella, even too, where he was supposed to be the responsible guy. Well, maybe he can co up, and everyone is responsible for each other. But you know, when I I was thinking about this earlier today, I was riding my bicycle and. Uh, Thinking about the Sabers and our show today, and I was thinking, who would be the guy, one of the guys that would least benefit from this coaching change? And uh, one, the first guy that came to my mind was uh, Robin Leonard. Actually, with um, Leonard had a great season last year, in my opinion. You put the shootout stuff aside. The guy kept us in games that we should have never been in. I think he deserved uh, his contract more money than he probably even got that he originally he signed for this year but he signed a contract they're going uh going on to next season with him and we uh i wonder if this coaching regime is not going to be good for him because yes there's going to be times where the sabers are going to get caught and there's going to be two-on-ones and breakaways and stuff like that but robin leonard was always in the zone last year because he was getting peppered with shots. He's not going to get be getting seen as much shots this year, I don't think. So sometimes when you're a goalie, you you play so well because you are you are always you're 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 playing more than anyone else on the team because Robin Leonard, the Sabers played in their own zone so much last year. With him not seeing the puck as much, I wonder if he's going to be able to produce the same numbers. Yeah, yeah, I agree, because they're, pro- they're not going to be seeing as many shots, and the way that they played a lot in the defensive zone last year was they collapsed in a lot, gave up a lot of shots as a result, because not only were they spending a lot of time in their defensive zone, but the system was designed to to have a lot of shots coming in at Leonard. So I agree. I bet his safe percentage will not be where it was last year. <laughs> I think that's a pretty safe bet to make. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be playing worse, mm-hmm. But when you just take a look at his numbers, you may think he's not having as good of a year. But he very well could have a worse save percentage and still be having a better year than he had last year. I don't know if uh, – I'm not super high on on Leonard. I I do believe in him. I, th- I think he will be a solid number one starter. I think he already – you probably already can say he is a solid number one starter. But for me to want to commit to him long term, we've had this conversation a million times, so we don't need to – to get into it more, he needs to be an upper echelon NHL starter. And that's going to be really the make or break thing for him this year is does he become an upper echelon NHL starter, somebody that's willing to 
or somebody that you should be willing to commit to long term, or is he just a solid NHL starter? And at that point, he becomes a replaceable guy, becomes somebody you don't want to commit to, becomes somebody you may want to be looking to move next offseason, his last year as a restricted free agent. So it's a big year for him in a lot of ways, and and I think you're you're completely right that he's one of the most interesting guys to watch how he responds to this system. Um, Jake McCabe's another yeah, guy that I, it looks I, like they haven't really given him a – if we want to talk about somebody else, that I don't know how he's going to be in this system, yeah. that he hasn't played with Ristolainen or Bogosian yet. And it looks like that top four is going to be Scandella, Ristolainen, Bolu, and Bogosian. So I don't know if that means that this coaching staff doesn't love McCabe. Maybe they think he's a perfect partner for Antipin. Um I don't know really what that means, but he's another guy that hasn't maybe gotten as many opportunities as I thought he would have gotten in this camp. Well, and I I don't know if that's because they don't love him or because they already that Phil Housley feels like he already knows him so well that I mean they could it could go either way. McCabe was uh, Housley's captain on that USA World Juniors gold gold medal winning team, so. It, it could go either way. I, I I liked McCabe's play last year. Yes, it did fall off halfway through the season, and he became a liability at points. But uh, I mean, there wasn't there wasn't much for that team, and he's still young. And I really like this player. Right now, I think me, you, and the rest of the Sabers uh, fanatics here are looking at McCabe and Antipin together but who knows what's going to happen I, I don't see him in that top role of Risto again this year but um, I guess that really is going to depend on what they think about Boyu and what Boyu is going to bring after a rough season in Montreal last season yeah I agree and I, I'm trying not to read too much into it because it, it very well may be McCabe's a known quantity to us we know what he brings um, so we're going to try to play with some of these other pieces that we have and figure out where Bolu fits and figure out where Antipin fits and and all of that but I I would have expected him to maybe get some play next to Ristolainen or maybe get some play next to Bogosian again but it's Bolu and Bogosian have been one of the most common pairings throughout this camp there's been so much mixing it's kind of hard to tell any any sort of conclusions based off that but uh, what do you think about that pairing going into this year? I, th- I I think that's very intriguing. I think it's very – yeah, I think that's something to be really excited about, especially with Housley's uh, style of coaching with these guys joining the rush. Uh, now, Bogosian has been a guy who has been bugging me for the last two years, and, you know, he always seems to get hurt, and he hasn't been good – at all during uh, the Bilesma uh, years, but uh, with this new coach, he a lot of Sabres fans are looking for him to have a resurgence in his game and maybe bring him back to where he should be with joining the rush. And Bolu's about you know he's a big guy. Bolu's a big guy who has a, a good skill set, and I think that he could his after having a bad year and ultimately being benched in the in the playoffs in Montreal being the healthy scratch we uh, he could come back and have a huge season so I mean there's, there's a lot of unsolved answers for this but 
I don't see us having a bad problem on defense this year. I mean, it's going to be hard to have any problems like we did last year. That was god-awful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you even hope that if even one of Bolu, Bogosian, or Antipin emerge as a legitimate top four defenseman, which you've got to think one of those guys do. You're taking a few dart throws and, you know, one of them's got to hit the bullseye basically in uh, to, to, to take that metaphor forward. And then you've got at least three quality top four mm-hmm. guys. We've seen McCabe kind of be a fringy top four guy. I'm also expecting, like you had talked about, that he continues to take steps forward. And we've seen flashes of him maybe being a legitimate top four guy. I think he will be eventually. But I agree with you about, about Beaulieu. I, I think a rough year last year, getting a change of scenery, realizing that to get that next big contract, I know it's not all about money, but to get that next big contract, you've got to establish yourself here. And you're getting a golden opportunity to come in and play in a system that's tailored to your strengths. And uh, really, the sky can be the limit for him. So we haven't seen him play yet because the the preseason games haven't been televised. But I I do think that just that pairing together. And you also you would you would touch on Bogosian and fans turning on him a little bit, and hopefully him realizing that this is a new opportunity and uh, really as best of an opportunity or as great of an opportunity as could be hoped for for him to turn his career around. And he's also still young too. He's only 27, correct? Uh, so, yeah, that's why I think that's just so intriguing. There's there's a lot to unpack with with those two playing together, and it could be fantastic. It could be pretty bad. You could see McCabe playing back with Bogosian pretty quickly, uh, but it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, it will be, and I, uh, I'm just like like I said earlier. It, and I loved your analogy there with one of those darts are going to have to hit the bullseye. And I, between Beaulieu, uh, Antipin, and Scandella, and and Bogosian, I mean, there's so much that we don't know but th- what's going to happen. But all these guys, the, their contracts end up, you know, Beaulieu signed a two-year deal with us this year. Scandella has two years left on his deal. And Bogosian's deal is up in two years. So... Once this two years, once these two years are over, and I'm hoping we're a successful team by then, but we we know what we got in these guys, and we know who's going to be worth what, and I think that's a, another factor that needs to be taken in with uh, these defensemen, is that we know we'll we'll know we want to pay these guys in two years, and if these guys are available, are do we want to get Bogosian salary off the off the books? He, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think this is a big evaluative year. I think they they want to take the next step. They want to make the playoffs, but I think the fan base will understand if they don't make the playoffs. I, I think it would be a huge disappointment if they're not right in the mix, if they're not fighting for a playoff spot mm-hmm. down till the end of the year. But I think people would understand if they don't make it. What's more important to this team, hopefully maturing into a championship contender, is figuring out those spots this year and you hit the nail on the head that you have a lot of guys on one and two year deals and you've got to figure out what are you doing after that point. And you've got your core in place. That that core is not going to change, but what is everything going to look mm-hmm. like around those core pieces? So it's a it's a big year for all those guys and it's a it's a fantastic opportunity to either succeed 
or to foul. And I don't know which way this defense is going to go, but I, I am glad that they, they took a couple of those dart throws, something I wish Tim Murray had done a little bit more. I think there were spots in this lineup where you could have taken reclamation project type guys and given them a shot and seen what they had, like a bull you type move. You probably couldn't have gone out and gotten him for a third round pick. That was kind of specific to the expansion draft, I think. But there are guys like that every offseason, reclamation project types. And I don't think the Sabres did enough of that in the past of trying to bring in one or two of those guys and giving them a shot. So it'll be fun. There's, there's going to be yeah. plenty to talk about on this all year long. It's great for us as hosts of the show. You know what's, uh, you know what's kind of uh, confused me about the league this year? Is um, and I think other Sabres fans notice it too. But the Sabres don't play the Leafs until March. I think. Do you think that the NHL made it that way because they think that maybe the, I, for one, think the Leafs are not going to be as good as they were last year. They didn't have a, a, any major injuries. Uh, they did bring in Marlou on a questionable contract for his age, but uh. I, I don't see – I wonder if the NHL is like, well, we're going to have the Leafs and the Sabres play three times in March at the end of the year because they're going to be fighting for that last spot in the wild card or that last spot in the division, actually, more likely. Yeah, or I think that those games will just be relevant. You know, even if the Leafs are – even if they improve, mm-hmm. the fact that the Sabres, you would think the NHL is expecting them to – be in competition for a playoff spot and it makes those games that much more heated they're heated enough as they are it's funny how there are two schools of thought about the Leafs though that some people look to what their shootout record was last year and how bad they were in shootouts and think well if they normalize there well they must get better I think I heard I want to say it was Jeremy White make that point but I'm, I'm more in your camp where they stayed very abnormally healthy last year and they got fantastic production out of Matthews and Marner and Nylander and can you expect that same production to carry forward to this year they didn't really address their defense at all their their roster didn't really improve they're pretty much relying on internal improvements they are they're hoping that Marlowe comes in and makes a pretty big impact but it's funny how there are two schools of thought on that most people don't think ah, oh, the Leafs are going to be about the same it's it's either they're going to regress or they're going to get significantly better. So it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, now there's a lot of people uh, mad with the NHL this year, too. It's not normal. Not like it's not like there's usually people not mad at the NHL. But uh, one is uh, Patrice, no, not Patrice, uh, Brad Marchand with the new faceoff rule. Uh, what do you think about that, Mark? Yeah, I think. I, I like the new face-off rule. I, I, I heard a lot of a, a lot of Buffalo media talking about it like it's it's not a big deal or anything. And, you know, why are we focusing on this when there are all these other things in the game to fix? But I think it does make a pretty big difference having clean face-off wins and, and not having cheating going on makes it far more likely that you're gonna get that you're gonna get big opportunities off the face-off, which I think is good for the game. Uh, so, I like that they're cracking down on. I this. like that. I like it too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it. I think uh, like you, like you said, uh, there's going to be more opportunities because of uh, people not cheating, and there's not going to be a giant scrum in the face-off circle like you see so many times. 
Um, I also love the offsides challenge rule. Uh, you this keeps the game from slowing down. Uh, it makes it makes you think twice before you are going to um, get a before you're gonna. Oh well, how many times do we see Bilesma do it just because they scored a goal? And you might as well just challenge it to see, you know. Well, if you if you lose that challenge, you're gonna get a two minute penalty in the box now. And I I really like that. I agree. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a great addition. I think they listen to a lot of people like us that said there needs to be a stronger deterrence to that because yeah, it becomes late in the third period, or if you're in a position where you know. You, you were going to call a timeout anyways. Well, you're going to call this this challenge, and you're going to delay it even longer, get a longer timeout than you otherwise would have had. So, I think it's a it's, it's another nice mm-hmm. addition. I'm cautiously optimistic. We've seen the NHL do things that look good at the beginning of the season, and then put the whistles back away or forget about it a month into the season if too many people are complaining uh, and go back to the way things were before. So, I'm not I'm not saying everything's going to be fixed by implementing these things but i i am cautiously optimistic i think it was a generally pretty good off season for the nhl in terms of rule changes and what they're going to emphasize coming into this year what do you think yeah yeah and i don't i i really like the face-off one too uh keeps people honest if and if for you view uh listeners who don't know what we're talking about uh if your center is ejected out of the face-off circle and then there is another there's another face-off and fragment uh, happening. You will go. The, that team will get two, two in the box. So we, you know, play by the rules, and you won't have to worry about it. But it's we'll see how long it's enforced, like you said. But I like both of those rules and the changes to that. I'm all on ban of that, and I'm also on ban with the NHL right now as well. And I'm not too often do I. Go on uh, rants about how the how I like what the league's doing, but uh, I don't know if, how many people are informed on the Joffrey loophole situation in the Toronto organization. But uh, guys have played in a year, year and a half, failed his physical this year. He came out on uh, Twitter, I believe, or Instagram, or some form of social media, and said that. Uh, they're cheaters. The Leafs are cheaters, and that he's fine to play, and he's fit. He's fit to play. Well, he since then came back and apologized to the Maple Leafs and the fans and most of his teammates for his comments, and he won't be uh, looking for a second opinion, which would mean that if he had a second opinion, he would bring in his own guy to determine if he is fit or not enough to play on the Maple Leafs. And then the NHL would have to bring in a guy who would see see that over after if he if his doctor said he was fit enough. And the reason why the Leafs are doing this is because they want to uh, lose his money on the cap. I don't know his cap hit. I'm I'm pretty sure it's about five point. Yeah, five point two five. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty not sure about. Okay, so. The Leafs are trying to pull one over on uh, the league by giving this guy his money off the salary cap and telling him to go away and go hang out and chill on the beach or go play golf or, you know, pick up poker. And 
now since he said that he wasn't get his uh, he wasn't going to search for a second chance, and he was just going to collect his money. The NHLs since then jump is reported that they are coming in and they are going to see if he's fed enough because they don't want teams getting away with stuff like this. Uh, they're also sending they're also sending uh, re- investigators for the um, Marion Hosa retirement too are he's not able to play because he's sick um which is i think are two different situations but the leafs are just trying to cheat basically and that's all you guys need to know the leafs are cheaters <laughs> yeah we had discussed this briefly before starting this and we said i think last year we talked a little too positively about the leafs so we need to come out hard this time we've got a lot of negative things to say about the leafs and this one's going to be a lot more fun than having to talk about how they're a well-run organization, and they're they've done this well and they've done that well, because they've they've certainly done this. And I think how the best way to explain it is everybody kind of wins the way the situation has been going, and other NHL GMs want to kind of have this get out of jail free card in case it happens to them. So they're saying that's why no other team has really come out and strongly criticized it. But the Leafs are probably the richest team in the league, uh, and they've been able to hide some of their mistakes, one of them being the Lupul contract, one of them being the Robida contract. And uh, Robida did the yep. same thing where he was injured. They, they did the same thing, put him on long-term injured reserve. He collected his money, then got a job in the organization after that contract was up. So, you know, he was paid well for his service, for, you know, not, not disrupting the, the Apple cart or anything like that. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how this loophole thing comes out. I think the Players Association probably likes it, too, because if the NHL now cracks down on this, it may make teams less likely to want to hand out those big contracts in the first place, these big market teams, where the Leafs know right now, or the way things have been, that there's a way that they can get out of it. If a guy gets into some injury trouble, has a big contract, his play declines as a result, while well, they can just throw him on long-term injured reserve, he'll collect his money till his contract is up, and we're able to get out of it that way. We can pay our way out of our mistakes. But it's going to be interesting to see how all this, how all this yeah. turns out, and it will impact them the most. Another team it will impact, though, that we need well, to talk about. Well, right now, it, too. Let's, let's remember that. Yes. Yeah, they're in a very difficult cap situation. They're going to have to pay all these guys. Uh, yeah, Lupul has, the worst a, in the league. Lupul has a pretty substantial contract. It is up after this year, so they'll be able to, to get out of that Yeah. Uh, after this year. So it, it, it won't carry implications beyond this year, but it may make some things more difficult for them moving forward after this year too. I do want to say, though, that this probably will yeah. impact the Sabres. The Sabres haven't been in that situation where they've been up against the cap, but we're trending in that direction where they're going to have to pay Eichel, they're going to have to pay Reinhardt, and I could easily see something happen to a, a Kyle Oposo type where he has injury issues and his play falls off near the end of his contract and that this would be a good way for the Sabres to be able to get out of or be able to exceed the cap by that amount by placing him on long-term injury reserve. But if the NHL cracks down on this, it's going to hurt the Sabres, who really are one of the the rich teams now. So that is important to keep in mind, I think. Yeah. Just um, just so you know, and everyone else knows, that Eric Bergdorfer, Bergdorfer has been uh, placed on waivers today. 
Oh, big. So, X Saber. He he. I think he. I think he played one or two games with us last year. I think he was probably the thirteenth defenseman that played for the Sabers at one point. Yeah. Last year. So so I I don't know. That's how bad our defense was. That we were playing Eric Bergdorfer. Bergdorfer. <laughs> off. So I just want everyone to know that. But yeah, loophole. This whole loophole situation is a joke, as Adam Mayer would say. About Rutu, but uh, but um, he's this. It's a joke, and the Leafs are just trying to get off, get away with uh, whatever they want, as they have been forever. And I mean, they're they're negative four point five million in the hole on their uh, on their cap it right now. So. That's why I'm looking at Cat Friendly well, right now. Well, as of now, um, the Lupul and Horton contracts count. So until they place them, like basically okay. putting them on long-term injured reserve, it allows them to exceed the cap by that amount, yep. but they can't put them there until the season starts, I believe. Um, so they will get relief from putting both those contracts on LTIR and have, have a little bit of breathing room. It would be nice, you know. Could you imagine, like, if your if your place of work called you up, Mark, and was like, "Hey, we want you to take the year off, and we don't want you around the team, around the company, but you know, here's a here's your five point two five million, you know, make that last the year because that's all we're giving you for this year, and uh, stay away from us. What would you do? You'd be like, yeah, heck yeah, I'm going on vacation. I'm gonna go see. I'm gonna go see the world. I'm gonna do whatever I want. And that's what a lot but of the editorials have been saying that he shouldn't be disrupting. You know, he's he's made out pretty well in this situation, so he should be quiet and fade away into the background. But but if you if he wants to play hockey, he's on. The, you know, they're paying him to play hockey. He's if he's fit enough to play, the they. Someone should do something. I hope that the NHL penalizes the Leafs where it hurts. I don't know how they do it, but I would like to see the Leafs get hit where it hurts. Well, if they, if that contract has to count against their cap, that would hit them about as hard as it could where it hurts because now all of a sudden they've got to make tough decisions this year. They've got to open up cap space for yep. this year. They've got to figure out, find a team that will take him and maybe probably have to pay a draft pick or prospect price or something for another team to – to take them off their hands. So, yeah, this is going to be really interesting to watch unfold. And, of course, it's going to hit them the hardest. But the Blackhawks, you had mentioned, maybe it could hit them. Um, and it will, I think, impact the Sabres down the line because I think the Sabres are one of the teams with deep enough pockets with Pagula at the helm where they would have been exploring these types of options when the cap eventually becomes an issue. And it, it will become an issue probably as soon as next year. Um uh, they also talked about uh, one of the editorial pieces that I that I read, and it was a good point that the Leafs have a very well-connected front office. So they have Brendan Shanahan, who worked in the league office. They have Lou Lamorello, who's been around forever. And the way that they phrased it, they, they quoted an exec, or somebody in the league, a league source that said, uh, not only does Lou Lamorello know where a lot of the bodies are buried, but he's dug a lot of the graves. Something like that. Like he's got a lot of dirt on a lot of people in the league because he's been around for so long and is so well yeah. connected that uh, it would be surprising if they come down hard on the Leafs 
and that's probably been a reason why they've been able to do what they've done up until this point. But Lupul coming out publicly almost forced the NHL's hand to at least do something about it, or at least make it look like they're doing something about it. So it's just a lot of dynamics at play here, and it's been it's been an interesting story to follow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, we'll uh, find out more, but. Man, we're only we're only what I think thirteen days away from uh, opening night for uh, the Sabers. They're playing. Uh, they'll be uh, opening the season against Montreal like they did last season. Uh, a new Montreal team as well. Uh, team with Jonathan Drouin on it now. Uh, should be a pretty interesting team. Uh, Canadians this year, but I don't want to get too <laughs> too into talking about Montreal right now. Yeah, we can probably save doing a full divisional preview for another one of these uh, preseason episodes that we're going to have but it's an interesting division to talk about too because I think um, I don't want to say this too loud because my wife is in the other room but I think Detroit is clearly the worst team in the division she's a Red Wings fan for everybody Um, I think they're clearly (laughs) last Um, Florida you can make a pretty good argument they've been depleted that maybe they're the second worst team in the division but I think you've got Tampa they, at the they top. Were, they, they were missing. Yeah, and they've got a nice young core still, yeah. even with a lot of the mistakes that they've made. And you could really make an argument. I'd probably put Tampa at the top, but that two through seven, really you could make a lot of cases for teams being just about anywhere throughout that, that two through seven. And Montreal is one of those teams that you could see going in either direction where I think they are relying on price. Not yeah. having a great center unit makes it difficult to be a high-level team. But maybe Drew Rand comes in and is a star. Maybe Gelchenyuk takes another step forward this year. Uh, so w- we could probably make an entire episode out of that almost, talking just about the division. But Yeah, we, that'd be fun. Um, well, I is there uh, anything else you want to hit on? I know... Um, I know you actually mentioned before we started uh, about seem to be Sabres uh, fan favorite for this whole training camp and prospect is uh, camp is uh, Cliff Poo, a guy that we've talked about before. Um, wh- wh- where do you see uh, happen with Cliff Poo this year? If you had to make a guess, Mark, um, I I do think they're going to sign him to an entry level deal. Uh, I think he'll be sent back. There's, I don't think there's any chance he starts with the big club or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, but I, after his showing, I wouldn't be surprised to see them get it done now, get him locked up, send him back to juniors, um, and really let him loose on the OHL next year and give him a chance to have a a, a real tour to show everybody that, that – when he wasn't included last year in the uh, selection process for the for the World Juniors, that he belonged there last year, and to to have a a great reclamation campaign or whatever you want to call it, a, a prove everybody wrong type of campaign. So I'm expecting big things out of him. A lot of it's been secondhand, but he's been given a lot more opportunities than I would have expected. So I I I would think he has big things in store for him this year. What do you think? I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I know he had a really good developmental camp. He was one of the, the stars out of that uh, with his his uh, team advancing in that uh, three-on-three tournament. And uh, he's just he's been solid. He's had a good training camp, and uh, it seems like the fans really like to shout poo 
a lot. Yeah, I don't know how much it is about the Which player cool. or if it's just about being able to yell poo out loud. <laughs> I think that's probably the bigger part of yeah. it. But he's looked good. He's a, a fun player to watch. And I think a, a future NHLer, it looks like, whether he's in a top six role or eventually makes it in a bottom six type of role. He's had a nice progression, and uh, he'll be one of those prospects that's a lot of fun to watch this year. Absolutely. Um, and you you know this is we don't have to talk about this or beat this of a horse but I just want to say it on the record um, I've been a guy who's been really wanting this Eichel contract to be done before the season started and I've now t- tilted my side to think that Eichel's going to go and earn prove himself this year and get that yes we might have to pay him an extra uh, you might have to pay him twelve instead of ten and a half or eleven, uh, but I think he's going to come out and have a huge season this year and earn that contract and show that he need, he deserves top dollar money in the NHL. Yeah, and, and he's he said he's willing Completely to do okay that. I, I I would prefer to get it done now. I'm still in that camp. Uh, yeah, I don't even know how much of a discount it would be at this point versus him going out and having a point per game. Season. I don't know if the price changes that much as a result uh, of him having a, a huge year, but I would just like to, to get it done now. And there have been some comments that lead me to believe that it's relatively close, but then you hear other things like Eichel saying he's willing to play out this year that make you think, well, maybe they're not as close as they're, as they're making it sound. So either way, I don't think it's an issue. I think he's going to sign long-term at the end of the year. He doesn't have a, a lot of leverage which is the most important thing from a Sabres perspective. There's nothing to worry about. It's just, yeah, you want to get that. You want to get him when it's the cheapest. But if, if they want, if Eichel comes out and has, and gets 95 points this year, I think we're a playoff team. If he can score 95 points, I think he, I think we're a playoff team. And that's just, where I, or that's where I am with it. Yeah, yeah, and 95 points would put him, I believe, second in the league last year in scoring because only McDavid had over 100. And then I think um, was it Crosby and Kane had, was it 89 or something? Like, I don't even know if anybody else hit 90. Uh, so, yeah, 95 points would put him into that $11 million a year type of range, whereas now, you know, it's probably more like, 10, nine and a half, ten, something like that, uh, which isn't a, a huge difference, but uh, yeah, Crosby and Kane were at eighty nine. Okay, year, and McDavid had a hundred. Okay, yeah. Well, I actually got those numbers right, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty pr- pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, if he can come out and do something like that. Anything to get this team, the ball rolling with this team, basically. I don't care. I just want to win. I want to go to playoff games. I want to I wanna be at the party, the plaza, with a bunch of other people hooting and hollering like we used to. And uh, I, I'm not going to be happy until it happens, and I don't think anyone else should be either. Yeah, and, and I don't think people will be. That's why making the playoffs this year would be really nice, being able to experience – that type of atmosphere again. It's a lot of fun. The, the city gets really into it. I think we've a lot of people have forgotten how much the city gets into it when they are in the playoffs because it is a great hockey city. 
but the Sabres always do play second mm-hmm. fiddle to the Bills. No matter how bad the Bills are, the Sabres are always going to be second fiddle. And the crowds aren't great. They haven't been great in recent years. Big part of it is because the team is, has been poor. But once the team is good, just remembering how many people got into it back in 05-06 and 06-07, it's pretty incredible. Yep. Hey, um... Mark, I gotta take this phone call, man. I uh It's all good. We can uh we can wrap this up here. The game's gotten started. I do have it playing on my second monitor. So like I said, the game has started and by the time this gets out the game will probably be over. But the Sabres are playing a pretty pared down lineup tonight against a fairly strong lineup for Toronto. It looks like their top two scoring lines basically are gonna be out there and I know Morgan Riley's playing. But what happened there was Josh has been trying to set up his wedding. He just got engaged to his fiance Gabe, and they're trying to set up a place to get married. So he had been waiting for this place to get back to him for a while, and that was the call getting back to him. So congrats to Josh and Gabe, and I hope everything works out and you guys get the venue that you really want. I'm just wrapping it up here. We, we got to touch on a lot today, and we're hoping to do one early next week so we can talk about tonight's game and tomorrow night's game against the Leafs and uh, pick up some of the conversations that we had started on this podcast because there still are a lot of other things out there. We hadn't talked in a while. There have been a lot of developments. So we're looking forward to having another podcast with another long conversation. want to thank Josh for joining me. Thank you to all of you for listening to us, and we will catch you again soon. Enjoy some hockey this weekend.